Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. This is a conversation myself and Rory had a couple of days ago about this eviction ban that was unconstitutional and now is going to be implemented and how inadequate it actually is. If you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy what we do, if you like shrapnel, if you like what the guys do on, on Built Different, please support it. Please help us keep going. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. It helps us keep these mics on, conversations happening, and they're plea free. You don't get me begging you for help, and unfortunately beg I must. Also this week we've had some brilliant conversations with Richard Murphy rejoined us from the UK to talk about what's happening there and uh, is it slightly less insane now that the u-turn has taken place and we caught up with sharon who we've spoken to before who is now living in her car after being made homeless and hoping something else will come online shortly we have to do better than this please support us it's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack and if you can't maybe head over to your player or your your app and leave us a five-star review tell everybody you love us or whatever whatever it is but just keep this show on the road I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined back today by Tony Groves, producer of Reboot Republic, um, and we're going to chat evictions and um, construction company, what's happening in terms of the developers uh, stopping and what should we do? And also a personal story um, from someone who contacted me around the housing crisis. Tony, how are you? I'm OK, Rory. And I, it's just this is we were we said we'd have a conversation because there's a lot of little bits ha- seem to be happening, but not much. That's actually, you know, I, you asked me a few months ago about when we were talking about, you know, the property market and where it's going and what, what we're looking at. And obviously behind all those numbers. But there's one thing I want to start with. I don't know if you saw today that um, in the UK, they're estimating a 15 percent fall in property prices before by June 2023. Yeah. Um, so, and we were talking about these things moving across and how it's happening. You asked me another question and I didn't, I said, well, the one thing that was interesting that I'd seen was that banks were quietly either, uh, moving mortgage advisors into other roles or just not take, just not extending mortgage lending. We're seeing that now, uh, playing out in the Irish market where that ends, you know, um, I, I, I don't want to be the, the guy who's who's been banging the drum, drum of doom. It's like the fellow who carries an umbrella. But, but there's it, no doom in falling property prices. No, it's a good I, thing. that's it. That's, I, that's the point. That's, we need to change that, the conversation. Uh, exactly. And I, I think, you know, it's, as as PJ Judy famously told us a few years ago, would I rather um, be told that my house is worth a million quid or would I like to see my grandchildren uh, be when I walk a few hundred meters from my front door because they live near me? Yeah. yeah. And that... Well, and that that's the value shift, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It is. And uh, it is, you know, pr- property prices falling, housing prices, house prices falling would absolutely be a good thing. How much they're going to fall, we don't know. They are likely to fall. Um, but there's all sorts of other things going on as well and what that will mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I you think, know, in well, terms well, of. Well, can I, can we start with maybe the, 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 the story that you were sent? Because I think that's a good place to kick off because it was yet again, you know, people are reaching out and, and, Oh, and, and again, congratulations. Uh, the book has been very well received, but it just shows that it's only started a conversation uh, when you receive more heartbreaking yeah. stories like this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it is, you know, I've been struck by, 
you know, the book people coming up to me, students in my class and everything, just saying, you know, thank you for seeing themselves, their voice been heard, their generation been heard. And that was the point of what I was trying to do with the book. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see it doing well. Um, but it is great as well that the point of it, you know, which was getting people to their stories to be heard about the human catastrophe that is going on uh, was the point of it as well as showing the solutions. Um, and people are contacting me again with their stories and highlighting them. Um, it is a very, very real you know, crisis ongoing at the moment. And if you do have your story, do absolutely send it in um, to me. I'm on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and I can share it anonymously. Um, and people are really, I know, you know, it's it's difficult, but people are getting some solace from seeing other people in a similar situation. And of course, it is highlighting and it keeps the pressure on and which we'll go on to talk about the eviction ban. But this is one um, story from um, a guy in Clare who contacted me. And again, it shows the, the kind of countrywide scale of this crisis. He says, hi, Rory, I live in Clare, County Clare. Love your work, by the way, ever since hearing you on the Blind Boy podcast. The housing crisis is awful. I was supposed to be out of a rental at the end of September. My landlady is actually lovely and her dad too. She's needing to move into it herself and her with her family back from the UK. I've nowhere to store my things. I've lived in two unfurnished, cold, damp, moldy, rodent-infested Irish cottages since 2016. So the house is full of furniture, beds, fridge, freezer, dryer, wash machine, loads of stuff. I'm a sound engineer. So I also have two rooms full of electronic equipment. She gave me an extra two months as I still haven't found anywhere. I have a four-year-old son and his mother is going through a similar situation. Has to be out of her house, out of her house in January. Her landlord is selling. Our son has just started junior infants in a local primary school as well as recovering from surgery. Been on the Clare County Council housing list for years. Four council properties finally shut up in my home village. A TD had me notified of these for months prior. I applied. Had him representing me and others too, including the homeless department. The houses were allocated to people. I heard nothing about my application for them. After the TD putting me off the notion of looking into getting a mobile home some months ago, absolutely gutted and lost. Now, I would have rather good mental health. I'm a second year psychotherapist in training, four year honours degree, and a go to regular therapy is mandatory practice to meet IACP standards. But I've still had to talk myself out of taking my own life a few times recently. It's very saddening. I can see how easily it could happen others without the support systems in place. My son's mother is looking at having to take our son out of school and move to Mayo where she has some family offering a mobile home. This is madness. I actually can't afford to rent somewhere else now. The prices are so high. I... Even with HAP covering the maximum amount, I'd still be paying an extra 200 a week so I can forget about eating and heating the place. What is one to do? Turn to large-scale crime to afford to live in this shitty country. Squat a vacant property. I refuse to be made homeless. It's taking every ounce out of my well-being trying to fight this, but I can't let this happen. I was really struck by so much in it, like the mental health impact. Rory, I want to, before you say anything on the mental health piece, I want to point out in the budget, mental health reform spoke to us about their pre-budget submission and they were they required, I believe it was an extra 100 million they were looking for and they were trying to meet current need. Right? That was one of their big, their, one of their big asks, we need to meet yeah. current need. They didn't get it. They got 75. Okay? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and this is, again, we're awash with money. We've, yeah. you know, and it's just the, the budget was there. The money was there. The, the, the requirement, what they, they weren't asking for 
the world here. They wanted to meet current need and they knew that there was a huge pent up demand. There is a huge pent up demand that needs to be met when it comes to mental health. And that comes across in these stories, unfortunately. And that's a man who knows. I mean, yeah. he, you know, that's yeah. someone who knows about it. It's it's striking. I was, is, quite... I was I was so, you know, and I said, I get these stories like in terms of that mental health impact of living in insecurity, of not being able to, you know, just just not knowing where the hell you're going to be. And, and then the impact of like, you know, essentially losing contact with his son is, you know, his son's mom and the son are going to have to move to Mayo to try and find you know, move back with family because they can't find a home around and all those connections and that, you know. Your child, you know, losing children like that and the contact with them and the impact on that child of of losing that all because of, you know, housing and, and their situation. And, you know, they're being evicted. He's losing his home. And this is what, you know, the, the actual report is out from Threshold today um, and showing that, you know, we've now won 20 percent of, you know, one in five of all households now live in the private rental sector. You know, and I've talked about this before, one in four children growing up now are growing up in the private rental sector, completely insecure. Um, and I think that raises the question of the eviction ban, you know, before the- we I just want to get to that as well. Luisa Santoro, who you spoke to regularly from Mendisti, was saying that it's the worst she's ever seen. Yeah, it's you know, now Focus the- Ireland. Mike Allen from Focus Ireland would say that as well. They're seeing and, and you know, and he actually said that last it was last I think November, when I was talking to him on this podcast, he spoke about he was seeing things that they, they were their services were seeing people becoming homeless that had never come to them before. And before I want to frame the, I'm really interested to get your views on the eviction ban, but I want to frame it in the way that to, to use what the Tonished has said that if we do this, we're just putting that off until until uh, for a few months. We shouldn't be, you know, you know, one of the reasons we're having this problem is because. We, we took away the rights of landlords to do this during COVID. And now we've pent up demand for evictions was pretty much what he said. It was the, it was a very callous way, I think, from someone who has a history of being, if you remember the last time he had a deep freeze, he said he didn't want to do any uh, anything on the winter fuel allowance because he didn't want people to think that they could just keep their heating on all night. So, he's you know, he's he has spoken in this tone previously, but yeah, his comments yeah. haven't been represented by by the government as a whole, that's fair to say. But that, those comments struck me uh, when he was when he basically pushed back and said, you know, sure, sure, why would we do this now? We just putting it off, the ine- putting off the inevitable. Yeah, and it is important to say, you know, that there's different, you know, word around uh, from different members of government as to who is pushing for this and who isn't. And obviously we saw Paul McAuliffe come out, you know, for it. There is an element of truth in what the Tonish is saying. If you if you do a four or five month ban, it is just going to postpone it down to five months time. Um, but in the <laughs> the other side of it, well, it will at least keep people in their homes um, for that period of time and it will put off the um, the eviction. But there was a couple of things I wanted to correct on what he said, because he did say evictions are relatively uncommon. And again, it was this mis, you know, misconstruing what we talk about when we mean evictions. He said, oh, well, you know, evictions are relatively uncommon, but of course, notice to quits are different. And a notice to quit isn't an eviction. If you're told you have six months or a year to leave your home and you've nowhere else to go to, or you're trying to find somewhere else, that's still being evicted. You have to leave. You're not leaving because, ah, yeah, I want to leave. You've been told you have to leave because the landlord's deciding it. That's an eviction. Yeah, no, and not only is it an eviction, your life changes the moment you receive that notice to quit because you're now you're on the clock looking at a thing and then you have to you face into the reality where it says 
you hear all the letting agents, 350, 350 properties available to rent, say in Dublin. We put up an application, we get, you know, 10 times more than we need. You see queues down the road. Imagine facing into that when you know there's no security of tenure and you start the it's, washing machine it's, again. It's horrific. It's horrific. And just in the numbers, like I was going through them, there's, you know, we started, landlords only had to register um, officially that they were, in, you know, issuing a notice to quit to a tenant from late 2019. Um, so you kind of can't really look at the figures for 2019 to tell you much about evictions. There was about 677 uh, notices to quits registered in 2019. Then it was 2020. We had about 2,000. Uh, and of course, the eviction ban was that year. Then last year, it jumped to 2,500. And then this year, just in the first half, it was two, almost 2,800. So that is 8,400 households. That's households who were renting, who were evicted in the last three years. I would estimate if you're talking about at least, you know, two children per household, you're talking about, you know, 20,000 people, including children, being evicted. And that's actually 20,000 people. Um, and that's actually the registered ones. Mm-hmm. And we know that there's many happening that aren't registered with the RTP. So, I, you know, I said this before and I wrote, actually, I went back and looking at this. Um, I wrote in the examiner, um, the Irish examiner, it was last October. Um, I said that a major factor causing homelessness of families and children is the evictions in the private rental sector. Evictions have dramatically increased since the lifting of the COVID ban on evictions. And I said, you know, since the second quarter of that year, we'd seen the highest number of evictions registered. I said, this is the tsunami of evictions. It is a tsunami of trauma for children and families in the rental sector. And I said, emergency actions needed, including a reintroduction of the ban on evictions in the private rental sector for at least three years to give renters some stability and reduce the unacceptable levels of child and family homelessness. And I do think, Tony, a six-month or five-month eviction ban will be limited in its Mm. impact. If it's not for a year or 18 months, or I really think three years, it is going to be limited in its impact. I, I would. Here's an argument now that doesn't get made often enough. If you are a small landlord or if you're a large landlord or a medium landlord and you can't base your structure more than six months down the road, you shouldn't be a landlord. Okay? So because you know what these notices quit, giving you six months notice, that's where it's going. That is that is not you should you should not be a landlord. That, that like you should if 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 I rented off you, Rory, and you said to me, Tony, you're moving in with the, with the kids and all the rest, of it, and I rented off you, and then you came back and you said, Look, Tony, I'm sorry, but the young fella is now um, going to college and he needs the place. You should never have rented it to me in the first place. Okay, yeah. you you weren't you weren't fit to be that landlord. I'm sorry, you weren't because you've just now thrown picked my life up and thrown it up into the air. And we've and we we accept this on this r- ridiculous basis of that. Well, you know, their their nephew is moving in. They're doing renovations. We're doing all. And I'm not saying that people are using that dishonestly. Maybe some are, but I'm not saying that I'm not making that implication. Rory, you're telling me the young fellow's moving in. He's moving in. I I gotta go. But you shouldn't be there. The state should have been providing me with a, with a, a, a place I can actually say, well, I know for the next five years, at least where my kids will be able to go to school, where I'll be able to have these supports, where I can develop a sense of community. This ev- eviction ban, it doesn't have to be a blanket ban, Rory. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. No, and I think that's really important. Mm. You can have exceptions and you should have exceptions around antisocial behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the issue of rent arrears is one as well that has to be included. And I, you know, Threshold have called for a again looked for and it wasn't uh, given a fund to be set up around rent arrears because that is a real issue. It's a real issue for landlords, and it's one where you know I actually have. Um, think that there's a, a role for the state to be stepping in more in supporting landlords whose rent isn't getting paid if there's issues there. But there should be a lot more. There should be a fund there for tenants to support um, paying rent in terms of rent arrears build up. There currently isn't. Um, and that is a big issue. And I think that, you know, the, when we look at it, the Constitution, it's well worth people having a read. There's an article. Um, it's on RT's um, website. I think it's RT Brainstorm. Uh, there's a a, a lecture from UCC who writes, uh, Conor O'Mahony, um, it is on the brainstorm. It says, what does the constitution have to say about a ban on the on evictions? It's well worth a read. Um, he's making the argument that myself and others have been making for quite a while, which is that the constitution is very clear. There's a right to private property, but that right can be limited in the interests of common good and social justice. That right can be limited. An example is part five, whereby private developers have to give 20% of their development land over to the state. That was challenged constitutionally, and it was found to be constitutional because it was deemed in the common good. So there is absolutely very clear um, guidance there in terms of the constitution. And it doesn't have to be like they're saying about time limited. Three years is a time limited uh, eviction mm. ban. Mm. So I think we should not. Three, be year, three years. Three years isn't even a minute. Uh, if you come in to me and you said Tony, of ten grand back when I was in Bank of Ireland on O'Connell Street, you said of ten grand, and I, I, I don't need it. I'm lucky enough. I want to put it into something. I would have said when we start in, in the short term, we're look. That's a five year product, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know what I mean. Like, yeah, like five years the, is a short term. Yes, exactly. And the other point is the really important point is that this is not. This does not interfere with landlords' private property right to sell their property. Mm. And, and that is the fundamental one, I think, that you know, if you were restricting sale, that would be different. I think that could be. But in terms of all you're saying is that you are currently renting your property, your tenant is in place. That tenant, aside from these exceptions of antisocial behavior, rent non-payment if rent arrears and stuff like that isn't worked out, that, you know, that those cases, there is... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, there's, and the RTB can be followed in terms yeah. of eviction, but aside from that, um, that for a three-year eviction ban, um, I think is absolutely required. And the you know the I, I just I don't see you know again the utter frustration the government saying they're only consulting with the AG now. Um, you know, it's that was like, that was that was actually a staggering thing. That I was talking to the lads from you know on the ditch. Uh, laughing because they'd published a piece about the attorney general and his massive property portfolio a few months ago. And that was quite funny because when, when they published the piece, they had gone on about his, um, how he had had, how he had everything kind of lined up and no one cared about the piece. But all of a sudden when the government came out and said, we're, we're now looking at this thing or we're consulting the AG, everybody went, Whoa, you're consulting a guy who has a massive personal property portfolio. This seems a bit strange. And yeah. it does seem very strange. You know, I said you were, you were a story in search of a zeitgeist lads. And uh, yeah, finally the zeitgeist caught up with them, but you know, that, that story was months old and went viral last week on the basis of people went, Hang on, why do we why do we allow this kind of unpublished advice to to go? And then you know we have to look at how it's been done. Surely, as you say, the common good comes much more to the fore than the AG's advice. And I also put it to you that 
you'll recall we we spoke to um uh, the former head of the high court his name escapes me and he and he said put it in front of me i'd love to test it yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. His name escapes me too. But anyway, <laughs> Ed, Ed, Ed Hulahan. Ed Hul- that's it. That's it. Uh, pa- the former central bank's brother, I think, or cousin or something. But, like but that. had abs- said that he would love to test that because he did yeah. not. He, he believed there was so much precedent there and also yeah. believed that European, as we know in, in, in Ireland, that the European Court of Justice has had decisions that actually yeah. have impact on Irish law. And just, and just to show in terms of the actual impact of the what's going on now in terms of homelessness um i was looking there and 759 families were made homeless well there was probably more than that but they presented as homeless across the country in the first six months of this year that's again if you extrapolate in terms of children that is well you know over 1400 children you're talking about 800 families almost 1400 children in six months of this year being made homeless like that's phenomenal actually going through the process of losing their home that's in six months and you know this is as i described the tsunami of trauma i just can't see like they're going to argue make the case oh this might deter landlords if we do it any longer than you know four or five months a winter ban you know won't have first of all we've shown that constitutionally they could absolutely do it for a minimum of a year a minimum Mm. constitutionally um, and I would argue they could push it up to three years if they really were a bit brave about it. Um, and of course, the other thing is they can do it and be challenged in the court. Exactly. That's the other thing. It's, it's, show a bit of leadership. Exactly. Show it. You, you, who do you represent? Yeah. Who do you represent? The people or the build to rent units that are between your house and my house that are uh, that are actually part of the problem. We've seen the statistics. Orla Hegarty's put out a lot of stuff today showing how few of these apartments that can, despite all the construction and the supply guy argument, none of it's coming to market. Yeah, none of it's available. None of it's none of it's there. The lack of stamp duty uh, uh, transactions versus the amount of production shows you the golden goose that they have. That is one argument, though, that you're going to get, and I'm sure you hear it all the time. Rory, you just need to give better tax incentives to the smaller landlords. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, you see, the smaller landlord exodus is not a problem if you are, if tenants can stay in situ when the landlord is selling. So I just, this is a whole, this is a red herring. This idea, landlords are leaving and therefore, you know, it's we need to do everything to keep the landlords in place. If you had the removal as threshold of called for of the um, situation whereby a landlord can evict on sale, and this is what threshold are calling for, that you remove the ability of landlords to evict a tenant on selling the property, landlords can sell all they want, but someone else is going to have to buy it and keep the tenant in place like a local authority, which can now do that. One of the positive things the Minister for Housing has done um, belatedly, but one of the positive things in being very clear to local authorities, you can buy these properties now and they should be. Um, And so I don't see why we're not using this opportunity to actually have an orderly reduction in the private rental section sector, conversion of um, homes that are rented insecurely, expensively into public housing. It, it's it's and, an absolute no brainer. It's it's look. You mentioned threshold. Uh, me and you spoke to Mike Allen few, several years ago when he wanted that in 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 a budget, I believe, around twenty eighteen. When yeah. he wanted, they were yeah. calling it the focus amendment, sell in situ, and you yeah. know, tenant not affected. 
we know this this works elsewhere. We know it gives as again back to that security of tenure thing. Back to yeah. me saying to you, Rory, you should never have rented me this place if you wanted to. Te- if if you knew at some part maybe the young fellow want to move in there, you shouldn't have been. The, you shouldn't have been there. Shouldn't impact. The, the on only my other life. side to that, I will say, is that there are situations whereby if you know that's happening, there perhaps should be certain tenancies around that that can be done in that way. So that you do know that that's yes, a possibility, and absolutely, and but but we both walk into it with with the understanding, with the that understanding this was, that this yeah. is a time limited tendency, yeah, and that you know there's there is a situation by that. I, people, I know people who do that in 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 the west of Ireland, where people only people in Westford who are who have multiple properties can leave some property for a year and someone actually will rent it for that year or for six months or whatever the situation is but they know because it's a conversation between people who have entered into an agreement and they know that this is time limited yeah um, and and, and the, the wider point is it's how we viewed property you know that a lot of you know you're saying there's a whole this thing about you know all people were you know, it's their other property and it's their, you know, they they bought two, you know, their partners came together and they had two houses and now one is rented and it's not covering the mortgage. And you're like going, it's not covering the mortgage. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. not, <laughs> that's no. an income. It's paying off your mortgage. The tenant gets nothing. And, and you, you still, get the mortgage and, on your second property paid and, off. And you still own the asset. Exactly. You still exactly. have, the, you like, what is the worst that can happen is you have to sell the asset that you exactly. own. Exactly. Exactly. Like, no, yeah. no, please. it shows to me, it shows, you know, there's a that fundamental rethink needed for how we understand property, but also the generational gap and the social class gap between, you know, people who are in policy making, who are in government, who are in the media, some people who are generally older, who their head is like, I own multiple properties or I know people who own multiple properties and this whole swathe of the population who own one home or who own no home at all. Right. I have two quick questions yeah. for you before we, we wrap up, right? Because one of them is is quite a is quite a uh, obvious one. The let's say all the controversy around onboard Planala, everything that's gone on there. We've seen what's happened. The DPP are, are looking at taking a case. Uh we've seen all of the situation. But what it comes what it, what comes out of some of the things that the minister has said, he's he's more or less said, well, we just need to make it harder for people to object. Yeah, no, it, it, it's so wrong. And, and when we look at what's happened and all the build to rent developments and how they're essentially, as we've said, the micro units, the tenements will become the tenements of the, the 21st century. Some of them, the build to rent that are co-living that are so small um, and even the student accommodation as well developed. It's But it's all developed, you know, the, the, the standards that were reduced, they're not homes for people and they're not affordable homes. Um, and the whole planning was driven. These changes in planning were driven by the, the belief in government that this is the way housing could be delivered. It was about incentivizing these real estate funds um, who said, you know, we'll build these smaller, you know, cool, hip units for, you know, the millennials who just want to hang around. And, you know, they, they're never at home anyway. You they know, eat God pizza and, they play, ever- and play, uh, play foosball. Exactly. God forbid they ever might want to have a family or actually mm. sleep or, you know, have a relationship. It's just such a reductionist view of what is the human experience. And of course, it's all about commodifying as much as can, the kind of housing. But listen, we have to finish the last one. No, 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 no. Before we get there, just just want to make one point. I don't know if you realized that you were kind of um, getting abuse yesterday over this because they were talking about 
the housing first thing was like, oh, Finland. And they went, well, they all went, all these lefties fawning over housing oh, first. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw they, that. Yeah, yeah. And no one pointed out the fact that, first of all, we know we've spoken to the people within housing first. Uh, I think I went, I put in Tortoise Shack and, and, and housing first on our on our website. Yeah. It was like 16 hits from when we yeah. covered it. Okay. Yeah. So we've covered it. But more importantly, that these co-living units that they were saying popped up in Finland, they're the transitionary homes that were people who are on the street. Their worst case scenario is you end up with your own front door. That's where yeah. it starts. They say yeah. to people, this is your this is your front door and you start, that's what they call, yeah. that's what they use co-living for. But, but I didn't realize that actually the real purpose of the whole co-living housing here by the real estate funds was they wanted to provide homes for homeless people. I just, yeah. I didn't realize that. This is what I mean. Like this is, the, <laughs> we were accused of being le- lefty. Um, if that was le- the case, oh, fair enough. Do you know what I mean? It's but, like, you know, but, but, as housing, that's a start that gets you, ensures you have somewhere maybe yes, as a start. It, but that's what I mean. If we turned around and said, nonsense. if we took, yeah, absolute nonsense debunked and actually debunked on, on the grounds of both economics and social good. Final thing is though, the talk of the, the, I, I I saw you on was it was it uh, Sunday morning? You had to do your last long run before the marathon. You've yes, got, yes. Yeah, and and you can where where can people? Um, they can go over to Just Giving mm-hmm. uh, slash Rory Hearn, and it is DePaul who do provide services for those who are homeless. Do fantastic work. I'm raising funds for them. Yeah. Okay. So I saw you, and, and but also noticed when you were finished that you you saw the story about poor Iris Reef. And yes. how they were. Would you not consider raising funds for them because they are thinking about stopping building Rory I know, because I know. they cannot turn out as much money as they want because the extractive nature of their business is coming up against increased interest rates and 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 the market wobbling. Not just in the in the yeah. in the US, it's gone pretty pretty bad yeah. very. No, quickly. no. I actually just Tony, would you believe set up a GoFundMe page there for Irish developers and REITs to yeah. try and get them through this hard time and. You can the GoFundMe page is linked directly to Marion Street to Department of Finance, and they can just check it out. There and it's all and, and they, it's all tax free. Yeah, um, yeah, and the petition is set up as well, so you can go over, sign the petition, support developers and REITs through this difficult time. Government needs to bail them out. Can, um, can it be serious for a second though? Is there an opportunity in them saying that we don't, we're not going to do this? We have, we were looking at the, building these units, all of these people, because we were told. Can't get the staff to, to to Rory. What do you mean local authorities should be building? They can't get the staff. They can't get the staff. Well, if there's these lads who aren't going to be doing this work, uh, maybe there is staff. Is that not an opportunity? Oh, absolutely. No, no. It's now is the time more than ever. We have to set up a state construction company. It is just, it is, it has to be done. It has to be done yesterday because the fact that they're saying, and it's not just REITs, you know, Irish developers, they were, you know, I was on primetime last week and they were saying it, they went down and interviewed them in the Construction Industry Federation conference and the developers said, we're going to be stopping um, next year, come next year. We just don't see the viability um, there. And so what <laughs> what are we doing? Are we going back to now? It's the artificial shortages of housing. Um, this is what happens when you leave it completely to the market. The the one thing they go utterly ape shit about is my proposal of the state construction company. It seems to send them into uh, cloud bananas of uh, of apoplexy in terms of uh, the possibility that the uh, private construction industry could somehow face some sort of competitor. And then, of course, get boo, poo pooed, you know, should look at the HSC in the schools yeah. and, you know, should they? And I'm going, yeah, nurses, doctors teachers do a fantastic job in guards, minding, guards on the street um, <laughs> lights come on roads get resurfaced you know for, yes. for 
the ESP I mean, could come on, you know, and, yeah. and talk about the amazing now, development that it did. And uh, when it was a public company, yeah. you know, we absolutely can do this. We have to do it. Um, and I think I actually feel that the state construction company could be one of the things, along with the referendum on the right to housing that comes out of this utter uh, disaster. And if it did, it would set us in place where we could avoid. Do you know, do you know they have the vehicle the future, there? To, but they actually, have, huh? be, we're going to wrap very quickly, but they have yeah. the vehicle there already. To, to, to build a state construction company because um, the Land Development Agency and NAMA were both born out of it to help the public good. They, they both, were. They're mm-hmm. there. Um, I would not be starting from them. No, no, but I'm in, saying in that they, I would be, I, but I, where I'd be starting with, I'd be saying, see all your assets. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, where yeah. I'd be starting. Yeah, like, yeah. Because they and still would, have large yeah, land banks. Yeah. They still have large, they, they yeah. still have, like, yeah. I, the, do you remember? No, You'll be, be starting yeah. with by taking in an offering and putting an open call out there and with construction people who work in the construction industry who want permanent contracts, who yeah. want to build a better Ireland. And I bet you, you would see a response to that. You right. absolutely I, would. I, I have to agree. I have to agree. And okay, but just very last thing on that. I'm sorry, but there's we've what's been happening globally. High level is what they're calling this creative destruction that they want to force more unemployment into because it's making it uncomfortable for employers for large employers. Like the, the Bank of America said this part out loud in a memo about what about eight months ago. You know this is they they need more unemployment to tackle in inflation. The Bank of England is doing something similar. We're seeing it here. And now, unfortunately, we've seen the highest number of young people lose jobs since the global financial crisis in the last few months in Ireland. Those statistics are starting to come out. Those people should not be out of work. They should be helping. Or if they, if people can retrain, they should be able to retrain. They should be able to. We need those people. We need their skills. We need their abilities. And if they don't, we have we have to help them retrain. There's an opportunity in absolutely. what this in this disaster capitalism. There is. Rory, sorry for the rant. No, 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 absolutely no. A hundred percent. There is even more. It's even more so than ever. Like I talk about it in the book in Gaffs about you know the the opportunity in the green transition to employ and involve young people and not so young people in developing sustainable homes. And we'll be talking about that in a future we podcast. Will. We will. Um, the potential is there. We have to take it. Um, and listen, people can go over. There is a petition that I set up um, over at my uplift um, and it's gaffes for all. And it includes within it the demand for the um a three-year eviction ban for a state construction company to tackle vacancy dereliction. Go over and sign it if you can. Um, and of course, become a patron yeah. of Look, Tortoise Shack to help us keep this show on the road. Thanks, Rory. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and we will too, we will come back with the we will come back with someone uh, on the on the green initiative as well when, when we get the right guest. It's always we it's a lot of work actually making sure you get the right spokespeople sometimes. But it is, we, it we, is we play indeed. one. Th- yeah. Thanks, and folks. People share their stories as well if you want to let That's, us know. Absolutely. Just don't share them with me. I I can't take it. (laughs) I'm just about hanging in there. Yeah. Listen, Tony, great to talk to you. You too, Rory. Thanks Thanks so much to our listeners, and we'll talk to you all soon.